Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. This week, my name is Brad, as opposed to last week when I was Alex. And Alex, you were Brad last week. So, Brad, how you doing? What? (laughs) (laughs) Alex, how are you? Okay, I've been better, but managing. It's the last week before the Christmas break, so motivation is low to work. We went in full lockdown since today, so... Yay! Hooray! Life is even less interesting now. <laughs> I had no idea you're from Spain, but the S is silent, Alex. <laughs> this is your <laughs> this is your eternal uh, suffering now. But I mean, you know, you're, you're staying safe. I mean, I can't complain. I'm privileged as hell in all of this. So I found an internship, which, as a student, is like nearly impossible at the moment. Mm-hmm. I found an internship. I'm in good health. Hopefully, before the lockdown Friday, I went to play commander at someone's house and they got a COVID test today. So let's hope those results come back negative, which would be a positive result. So in the meantime, I have been up in my room as I have been for the last nine months. So (laughs) how brave of you. I go out once. And you know what happened about four months ago, the last time I went out? I got home and the other person was like, oh, my brother's got COVID. I just found out. I'm like, great. I think I've gone out like four times in the past nine months, like gone out with with friends, like aside from seeing my girlfriend, but like going out to see other people like four times in the past nine months or something. And two times, like within 24 hours or something of me seeing them or within like a short period of time. It's like, oh, someone I know has COVID. I'm going to get tested now. (laughs) Really? Really? That actually happened. That happened to me um, when I had my COVID scare at the school about a m- couple months ago. The day that I got the news, so I I, I think I've told you the story before. I don't remember if it was on cast or not. I got a text at like eleven thirty p.m. and that's like emergency school faculty meeting now on Zoom. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this. I'm laying down. I'm actually getting ready to go to bed like for once at a reasonable time. And they're like, no, 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 we need to do this meeting. So I hop in and they're like, so we had some positive tests for COVID and basically it ended up shutting down the entire middle school, which is where I primarily work. And I covered every single possible class in middle school. So I definitely was exposed to the positive testers, resulters, peoples, whatever. Yes. And that evening before we got that call, Guess who uh, got got a couple of drinks with a close friend of his? Uh oh, that was me. So I had to I had to text my buddy and be like, "Hey, by the way, I literally just found out right now COVID stuff. So you should maybe get tested. I don't know, no idea, because I don't know if I had it or not. I ended up testing negative three times, and I was fine. And obviously, he didn't test positive either. But uh, yeah, immediately just like, hey, we can have a couple of drinks, and all of a sudden, it's like. First time you go out in a while, and it's like, uh-oh, this is why you shouldn't. Yeah. I don't know if, if if you have this too, but in like, especially since, so Monday, it's now Tuesday, but Monday we had the announcement that Tuesday we'd go into lockdown. And ever since, I'm I'm not even like disappointed or sad. I'm just mad. Like, I've just been in like a constant state of being on edge at all these idiots who don't follow the rules. We had the announcement, which was the prime minister did like a speech from his office. Uh, And that office is a lot closer to the public than the White House is. So you could hear the protesters shouting and like whistling outside all throughout. So people had gathered 
just to shout through it. And I'm like, yeah. what is your problem? <laughs> Go fucking home. You're literally killing people. Like, all these people are like, I would rather die than wear a mask. No, you wouldn't rather die. You would apparently rather kill than wear a mask. Like, fuck off. Sorry, this has already been two bleeps for our editor. Sorry, I thought I'd get them out early. And then we can talk about magic. All on you, by the way, which is rare. It's usually me. I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, we had the same thing here. Obviously, the U.S. is incredibly, uh, is the worst country at the moment for COVID-related uh, tests. No, no, number one, Brad. You you were going to be number one in everything. Number one, baby. <laughs> You've achieved it in one thing. Yeah. Which is the only thing you wouldn't want to achieve but, it in. But we have the people that are like, I will do anything for my country and they'll like have like have an ar-15 they're like i'll gun down anyone i don't care but then it's like please wear this mask and they're like no like (laughs) dude you can't have it both ways where you feel like you're a gi joe i would do anything except put a piece of cloth in front of my mouth and sit and watch telly at home all day that is literally what you're being asked to do wear a mask in public sit on your arse and watch television and apparently Doing everything doesn't include that, even though 90% of the time, that's what those people are doing anyway. Well, not a piece of cloth, I guess, but sitting on their ass watching television. Yeah, it's stupid. But real quick, we have a continuation of last week's episode in which we kind of go over the bottom five uh, decks of the top 10 decks in Pioneer and ways we can counter them going by color and then colorless and multicolored. But real quick, before that, just to let you guys know, as listeners, as you know, we always week to week do a quick metagame analysis. This week, nothing new really happened. Your winners of the challenges were Oops All Spells and Sultai Reclamation. Um, the only notable thing that we could even mention at this point is something that we covered last week. Uh, it's just on a, a bit more of a continued rise, which is the abundance of Mono Red. So trading in Luris and the Boros uh, Burn aspect for just... The same idea, low to the ground, aggro, uh, mono red with Bomat Courier, but you actually have the ability to play Bone Crusher Giant, Rampage of Ferocidon, Goblin Chain Roar, like the three drops that red decks like. That deck has become a lot more prevalent and it's creeping up in percentages. And actually, I think at this point is in the top 10 uh, decks uh, for Pioneer. So had we started this this week, we'd be talking about this deck. But it kind of goes into the same vein as boros burn which we mentioned last week that we consider the cards that we you know counter boros burn to also counter mono red to an extent yeah currently going off the top 10 the only one that changed since last week is that lotus combo is now pushed to 11 instead of mono red but we'll still be talking about lotus combo because last week it was the number 10 deck yes and we're gonna go continue the list we had last week so i suppose we can get on with that we can so alex what is the first deck we're gonna go over today we're going to talk about Orzov Auras. Pretty much a staple-ish deck ever since Ikoria. Yeah. Had been played before, but Luris definitely made it more popular. And definitely the Orzov version solidifying itself as opposed to Celestia. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking about some ways to beat that. Now, I think the easiest way to like summarize how you deal with Orzov Auras is all the cheap interaction. The more cheap interaction you have, the better your matchup is. For me, noticeable, it's an aggro deck where I keep Thought Seize in, just because the mana cost is one. 
Like, usually going against, like, a burn deck or a mono red deck mm. or a mono green, I would board out Thoughtseize, especially because it's a bad top deck. But against Auras, I want all the cheap interaction I can find. And if I take out Thoughtseize and add a three-mana card to my deck, it almost doesn't matter what it is. It's probably going to be worse because you just need the speed. So in white, one card I didn't put on here, but it would be a reasonable one, is Glare of Heresy. Chop down slash... Um, giant killer. Giant killer. That one, again, this is mostly what I know from like the Ors of Humans deck, not really a commonly played card. But effectively, anything that is cheap and in that way interacts and in white, again, that mm. Glare of Heresy, Baffling and Glass Cascade. Ooh, Isolate could be really good, yeah. Uh, isolate can work if you run that in your sideboard. Isolate's quite nice. Gets rid of most of their creatures. Also can snipe some powerful auras, like Ethereal Armor. Is the best aura in the deck. So, I mean, yeah. I think this might be the first deck where we probably don't feel that great about uh, Skyclave Apparition. Um, Just because at three mana, it's kind of hard to, like... Kind of slow. Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends on how your deck works, right? If you play a mostly creature style deck and your only interaction is Skyclave Apparition, or one of your few pieces of interaction is Skyclave Apparition, it's kind of going to suck. If you would play like a Taxus-style deck, where you might want to run like Bushes, you have some Isolates in your sideboard, then Apparition becomes fine, because you're just overloading your opponent's protection. Because at the end of the day, the deck generally has eight interaction spells. right? It has four Karametra's Blessing, and for Alcid of Life's Bounty. And especially Alcid of Life's Bounty becomes kind of funky if you're using it to protect your cards from white removal. Because if you give a card protection from white, all the auras fall off. So overloading on white interaction is a little better. But if you're only going to have a three mana interaction spell, there's going to be like, ah, oh, Karamatra's Blessing, cool. And you don't do anything. So it is a lot less good here, unless it's like it, you reach critical mass. That's when Apparition is still good. Yeah, I agree with that. Also when they stumble on lands, which can definitely happen. The deck can get stuck on like two or three lands because it's a very low land count deck. Yeah, 19 lands. And that's been pretty consistent throughout Pioneer altogether. 19's been that number. Same thing with Boros Burn. Yeah. So do you have any cards from white that you would think are effective that I haven't named yet? Or we haven't brainstormed yet? Um... No, not really. You, you just want stuff that's like early interaction, like you said. Especially if this was the, uh, what's it called? The Selesnia version, because you could kind of clump that in. We're not seeing that nearly as much as we used to, but Glade Cover Scout is a, uh, is a hexproofy boy. So that's, you know, worrisome at times. Uh, I have a funny one, actually. What's that? Gideon's Triumph. Because Gideon's Triumph is actually an edict. A lot of the white effects tend to be like destroy and it, and that way. What's the other one with escalate? You could pay more. Blessed Alliance. Yeah, Blessed Alliance is better than Gideon's Triumph almost all the time. Yeah, sacrifice the attacking creature. That's cool. But yeah, they're edicts, and white can have a lot of cards like Gideon's Reproach, or I don't know. There, there's a lot of ones that people play in draft that are like destroy target attacking creature, but edicts don't target which is much better against the deck because it literally doesn't work against anything. You can't protect it with Karametra's Blessing. You can't protect it with Alcid. Mm-hmm. Um, the cards like Gideon's Triumph and Blessed Alliance target your opponent. 
So the only thing that really works is like Leyline of Sanctity, but if you're playing a white deck, there's a very low chance that's coming in. Then in blue, I have two cards, quickly, because there's going to be some obvious ones, right? Yeah, Brazen Borrower is fine because it bounces. The only downside is that they fizzle it, you lose your Brazen Borrower. Two cards that I think of, which are a little bit out of left field, you don't really see play. One is Spell Pierce. Again, just for the sake of it being cheap blue interaction, which is more effective against this type of deck. Now, because Mystical Dispute exists, Spell Pierce sees effectively zero play. So this is the type of card that you really want if you target the deck. However, I think there's a better card if you want to target the deck, and it's a null. And a null is just one blue counter-target enchantment or artifact. Mm -hmm. That's it. Which can actually counter the majority of their one-drops, if not all their one-drops, depending on how the deck is built. I think they usually run favored hoplite, so they have one one one-drop you can't counter with that. But being able to stop their one-drop, they definitely keep one creature three land three aura hands right mm-hmm. and if you go out of a mono blue deck or something and they just try and play a creature and you're like ah no that can literally just be a win yeah it is a card that has seen play but is very niche you want to find more i mean anytime you get your stuff countered especially in a tempo kind of style deck which you know it's weird we don't really talk about auras as a tempo deck but it kind of is just in a way of uh you know could you imagine if we had access to uh What's the other SRAM effect that Historic has? Um, Core Spirit Dancer? Imagine if we had that in, in Pioneer. Spirit Dancer also just becomes so big. Yeah, it's so good. I thought we were going to get it in uh, Zendikar because they had the cores coming out. Yeah. I was ready. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah, my Monoblack Vampires deck in uh, Historic, I have two uh, Trial of Ambitions in the sideboard that I only even bring in against Auras. It's the only deck I bring in against. Don't you want Liliana's Triumph then? Because it's an instant. I don't know. It's an Amonkhet card, so I guess I'm just biased. <laughs> oh, but the Liliana's Triumph promo is so good. Yeah, but I don't have that in Arena. At least the promo. Hmm? The other Triumph cards all look awful. They're creepy. I think they're cool. <laughs> but you know the memes where every time you mate one, people would like cut out the face and then mirror it? to like quote-unquote make the whole face and they would look so off <laughs> especially i've got gideon's triumph here he looks so much like god is this john travolta yes it is by the way he looks so much like john travolta on that picture it's unbelievable anyway moving on to black i mean we've covered this right push thoughtsies cheap interaction edicts which are much more available in black trial of ambition oath of liliana liliana's triumph Parika's Libation, to an extent. Like, there's a lot of good edicts to be found in black. Uh, Soul Shatter is one I I run in my control deck, because I have found that the majority of the time, if I cast a removal spell like a Hero's Downfall, I am probably hitting their highest CMC card anyway, and I like Soul Shatter being an edict. It's just really good for auras, which is a reason to be a popular deck. Uh, I tried to run it, especially when Celestia Auras was still being played, because I literally can't beat that deck if I don't have an Edict somewhere. And I've just been kind of happy with it, and I think it's kind of an underplayed card anyway. I think Soul Shatter is a very good card. Yeah. And very good if you have an Auras-heavy matchup. Swapping a Hero's Downfall for a Soul Shatter is not that big of a cost, but it's a huge gain. 
against Auras because Hero's Downfall is effectively dead because it's too expensive. A Soul Shatter is great. Yeah. One thing that's worth noting, something that you're going to notice that is absent from this list that for, let's say, the average or lesser competitive player might think would be good are sweepers. The reason we don't have sweepers against this, because of course, we're talking about how good edicts are. They don't target that kind of thing. Like they get around hexproofing and things like that. And the big thing we talk about them getting around is Karametra's Blessing. Sweepers do not, unless it's an exile sweeper, which there aren't too many of those running around and they're too expensive typically. I mean, Extinction Event and Shadow's Verdict are both reasonable cards in the matchup. Where like, I have Shadow's Verdict in my sideboard. If I play against Auras, I bring it in. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm actually happy to have the card. It's fine, but it's too expensive. If you're trying to build your deck to be prepared for SRAM Auras, don't consider Shadow's Verdict a card. Because if you're like, this is why I ran Soul Shatter, because when I was thinking of playing against, uh, and for a while I had like one or two Liliana's Triumph in my sideboard, when I was considering how is my matchup against Celestia Auras, where, you know, they've got the Bogle. I didn't consider Shadow Verdict a card because I'm dead before I can cast it. But sure, if you have other cards too, you can bring in Shadow's Verdict because they cannot play around it. Even if they have Leyline out, it doesn't work. Mm. So it's it's fine. Uh, Destroy Sweepers are kind of bad. Yeah. Like, like Supreme Verdict is, again, if you're playing blue-white, you're obviously going to keep Supreme Verdict in. But it's not a particular because it does work around Elsid, so it's not bad. But it's not the type of card you can lean on. That's why it wouldn't really be the type of card we would recommend you play because there's much stronger targeted things. When we talked about it last week, there are cards that are going to be the last ones to cut, like in your eliminate argument. Um, Supreme Verdict in a control deck is going to be one of your last cuts because it's still a valuable card if you need to cast it but it's not one you're going to want to bring in because there are better cards in the slot that you're trying to fill. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to red. I think the most common one, so we've got Shock or Wild Slash. <laughs> Same card. Yeah, it's you're just hoping to kill Favorite Hoplite on turn one before they start throwing pants on it. Yeah. Shock, Wild Slash, Stomp, but Stomp is already a little bit slow. Magma Spray, is more of the sideboard card you would see. And it helps because it, it exiles, so it makes their Luris not as effective should they bring it down. Though Auras doesn't always lean on Luris. It's just it's something you have to keep in mind that's there. Yeah. There's there's also like there's super niche things where like let's say they put a Griff's boon on something so it still has two toughness and like a hateful Eidolon and you exile it, they don't draw cards because it doesn't die. But like they're super niche things. The main problem with red removal is that the moment they slap on two auras, you can no longer kill it. You need to like three for one yourself. And you're gonna cast two spells, you're gonna cast the third, and they're gonna carry Metris Blessing. So I mean Lava Coil is a card that I see play, a braid. Again, just any cheap interaction. If there is a cheap burn spell or like a burn-based removal spell, Scorching Dragon Fire, that you would consider for other matchups, it's fine for this one. I think Magma Spray is probably the best one. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, oh, and um, Rending Volley. I think it's called Rending Volley. That's the one red that does four damage to a green or a white creature, I believe. Yeah. That one's actually pretty nice because it's one mana for four damage. So they can often have an aura on and you can still kill it. It was Fry before Fry. 
Yes, but Fry is two mana, which is so much worse in this matchup. Like, considering your mana cost and it only doing five, which, like, five for two mana is so much worse than four for one mana. But just considering if you want to prepare for this matchup, one mana can be all the difference. A one mana interaction spell is, like, three times better than a two mana interaction spell. Yeah, I agree. Especially just the one mana interaction point. If they play in Hoplite and Pass, you have to kill that thing. And if you do, you might actually immediately put yourself in a great position. Because, again, they keep one creature hands, right? It's like it's it's like a 15, 14 creature deck sometimes, depending on how it's built. It could be like a, could be like a 16 creature deck. But even in a 16 creature deck, it's not uncommon to have a one creature opener. Or they have to go like land Eidolon, you kill it, then they go land SRAM, because they need to play a creature, so you immediately have, again, a naked SRAM to kill, or they have to wait another turn, go land, SRAM, Aura, it's again exposed, you can kill it in response. So it it leaves you with a lot of room, but you need the one-mana interaction for it. Speaking of one man interaction, um, a card we've actually omitted a lot, but I think it's because of the expectation of uh, how it's already a staple in the format. Like literally one of the top five cards played is Fatal Push. But a lot of cards do play in the sideboard. Yeah. So, or a lot of decks, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, Blood Chief's Thirst is fine. The Sorcery Speed gets it a bit. But again, just that turn one where they go creature pass, that's like the key point in the matchup. So Blood Chief's Thirst, still fine there. Yeah. It's same same concept as like the turn one elf for green decks. If you can just push it and kill it and get rid of it. Yeah, but I would say that killing the turn one creature is sometimes even more, can be more impactful on a game than killing the turn one elf. Yes. Because a turn one elf is just like, I'm now faster. With an Auras deck, if you kill the turn one creature, it could be, I cannot cast any of my spells because they're all Auras. What, yeah, what if their hand is literally just uh, Favorite Hoplite, Ethereal Armor, Ethereal Armor, all that glitters? Like, I've had hands like that when I played this deck, and I was like, if this guy lives... You can't really mull that because it's like a turn three kill if he lives. Yeah, if he lives, you're like, I just, I gotta roll the dice. Let's, and all of a sudden, you see that swamp come down, and you're like, no, <laughs> no, they have Fatal Push. <laughs> and they're gonna wait till I put on an Aura... <laughs> Because Karametra's Blessing doesn't work until it's enchanted. No! <laughs> By the way, don't do that. You don't. You have to be, like, really confident. Like, yeah, a turn one Hoplite, you technically can wait to see if they put on an aura. But generally speaking, don't wait, just kill it. Yeah. I think the only one is if you're on the play... Well, at least you don't even have to be on the play, but they go turn one hoplite pass, and you have a swamp and a fatal push. Then you can technically wait. Even then, I'll, I'll source your speed it because I'm like, I uh, what? Because what if they just what if they play like the next turn? And all of a sudden, you're like, you didn't realize you're against Selesnya, and now you are against Selesnya, and they're like a blossoming defense. And you're like, what? Exactly. Why? There's just too many strange variables. Just sorcery speed. Just kill it. Your fatal push is now a blood chief thirst. Use it. Like I know it's it's against like the magic player's intuition of like you if it's instant speed you wait. Yeah, I've learned this because I as I, I play a lot of Drago control, and I think I cast way more instance at sorcery speeds than your average player. And you could say, well, well, then you're making a mistake. No, I'm I I'm even watching sometimes like professional players, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm better than them, but I see them like cast cards and hold them up for instant speed, and I'm like. You really just shouldn't. 
Yeah. Right? If you're playing against like death, if you're playing blue white, you're playing as like death, shadow, and modern. If they're tapped out past the damn thing, don't make them untap and like cycle a street wraith and stubborn denial your path. Just do it now. They're tapped out. It all depends on the situation. And like I've been frustrated watching content creators with like certain plays. Like I know Seth was playing as a uh, meme or dreams thing for MTG Goldfish, where he takes like the bad 6 0 decks in uh, historic yeah and it was mono blue uh mill and he was playing ashiok uh the dream render against uh rakdos pyromancer and on turn three he's like oh we have ashiok dream render and turn three the other person tapped out i think they had like a uh like they had a dreadlord arcanist down and instead of immediately slamming down the ashiok on turn three and exile on their grave that had a decent amount of spells in it already because they had a turn one stitcher supplier He's like, I'm going to play Teferi's Tutelage and be greedy. And then all of a sudden, what happens next turn? Thoughtseize. And they pick out the Ashok. And I'm like, you need to slam down the hate card. <laughs> you brought this in from your sideboard and you don't immediately slam it down? It's not going to die yet. I mean, Seth being greedy, though, is like... I know, but like, I was just like, come on. Like, that goes together very well. And then he was like, he's like, oh, I can't believe that happened. And I'm like, I can? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Don't be greedy in those situations. That's the lesson. Moving on, so here's probably going to Kareen. Here is one of the harshest cards like in the history of this game. At least for the sake of Pioneer. Like there's other formats where there's definitely harsher cards. Like forcible. But it's yes. It's back to nature. <laughs> what why are you laughing? I suddenly heard like a did I say something weird? No, I, I just forgot that. I completely forgot about that card. And it's basically just get fucked the card in this in this matchup. Yeah. It's one and a green for an instant. Destroy all enchantments. It's literally just like the boil of this format. Where boil just means if you have islands, you lose. This card is like, if you have enchantments, you lose. Uh-huh. And the funny thing about this one is that it comes out of green. Like, not a color that you expect to just completely mess you up with one card. Now, there's other naturalized effects, like I think a notable one, again, for the idea that it kills the creatures is natural state, because that's just one green, destroy an artifact or enchantment with CMC three or less. So that tends to get most things, but back to nature is this nice, like, kaboom. Like, get you. Especially because if you're playing like a mono green deck or maybe like a Simic deck, they might be a little bit greedier in like tapping out and trying to get you dead because they don't expect that type of interaction. Now, Back to Nature isn't a card no one's ever played. Like, it's it's been there, but it's very much on the like on and off. It's not a staple. Mm. So there's a reasonable chance your opponent might not be playing around it. Especially props if you played in a deck that runs enchantments. Like, if you're playing Wilderness Reclamation and you put like a Back to Nature in, they're never going to expect you to play that card. And I think if it's in your sideboard, even if you're playing a wreck, you should probably bring it in. I think it's a card I would still consider. Because I care more about like their board being destroyed than me having double mana. I'll win. I'll win once their board is empty, right? Well, I mean, if it's a favorite hoplite, the downside is like if it's a favorite hoplite that has a, like a few auras on it, you kill all those, but it's still like a four or five coming at you because it's still got the counters. Yeah. True, but it does mean that it's no longer enchanted, so you can kill it because they can't carry Metra's Blessing. Well, in that situation, I hope you're not in mono green. Yeah, if you're then in mono green, it becomes a problem. But That's where you slam down Galta and be like... Yeah, but I mean, in mono green, 
you can deal with the hoplite with your own board because it's just going to have a bunch of counters, but it's never going to be more than like, I don't know, like a five, six. And like a mono green deck can probably contest a five, six. Can't imagine that being too hard. Yeah. I mean, Galt is a 12, 12. So, I mean, yeah, if you, if you play that type of mono green, here's my 12, 12, blow up your board. Nice five, six, bro. Right. So I have nothing in colorless and mono uh, multicolored necessarily. Not that I could think of. In Colorless, again, Pithing Needle is an odd card. You can name Elsid, which gets rid of one of their ways of, to protect their creatures, which is kind of cute. Super narrow, though. Yeah, narrow. But, like, a thing you can, like, Karn Tutor up. I mean, if we're talking about Karn Tutor targets, there's Aligned Hedron Network, which is just four mana to... it. It's a Colorless card, four mana, and it just O-rings every creature with power five or greater, which is going to be their creature with all the auras on which is what mono green uses. Clearly, it's not Pioneer Legal, but, uh, or is it? No, it's not Always Dust? No, it's not. I wish it was. I love that card. Uh, Actually, think of a card that's okay. Ratchet Bomb's probably pretty okay. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, Ratchet Bomb's probably fine. It's a little slow, but if you have other ways to buy you time... It doesn't get around uh, Karametra's Blessing, though. Well, for most, though. Like, it's still gonna then destroy the enchantments, yeah. They can protect their creature, but if there's also like two ethereal armors on, the armors are gone. Unless they're uh, teching in um, Orzhov Charm. Yeah, or um, was it like Inspiring Call or something that gives all your permanents indestructible? And then there's uh, Heroic... Oh, I don't know. I just know. Orzhov Charm bounces all your auras back to your hand, basically. Oh yeah, that one's fun too. Out of multicolored, I mean, all multicolored removal ever. Like, Dreadbore, sure. Is it like Tyrant Scorn? Any Assassin's Trophy of Rupt again? Like, yeah, any removal. Again, I, I didn't name specifics, but like any cheap interaction applies. There's a lot. There's probably a Rakdos Edict I'm forgetting. Cards like that. Angras Rampage is a great one. Yeah, Angras Rampage. Perfect. Like, yeah, that's perfect. Angras Rampage is a really good card. But like, you know, if, if you're looking in your colors, you're like, hey, I have Liliana's Triumph and you're in Rakdos. Yes, Angras Rampage exists too. Like, just try, if, if you're trying to... Well, it's sorcery speed, though. It just hits more things. Yeah, but if, if you're thinking, like, what can I put in? Just go to Scryfall, put in your colors, and just search for the word destroy with CMC2 or less, damage with CMC2 or less, exile with CMC2 or less, or sacrifice with CMC2 or less. And you'll probably find something. One other card that we didn't mention that is a little... It has the problem of Karametra's Blessing protecting it because it's both Hexproof and is indestructible. Of course, they just couldn't give you one or the other. It's it's both. But Legion's End is an interesting option. Because let's say they go turn one um, Hoplite or whatever, and they have another one in hand or something that are drawn to it, or they just go double Hoplite armor because they're greedy kind of thing, or they just go turn two SRAM because they have nothing better to do. Like, that hitting that is nice. Yeah, like... Legion's End's fine. And again, like, it's cheap removal. Uh, sorcery speed makes it worse. Being two mana makes it worse. But if it's in your sideboard... But peeking at their hand is nice. That's true. It can actually be quite nice to know what to play around. But generally speaking, cheap interaction. If there is a cheap removal spell in your sideboard for some reason, it is coming in in this matchup. Moving on. Uh, is four-color Omnath? Now, I'm going to be completely honest. My list here just says C Niftalite. I'm not going to lie, that's a uh, a fair assessment. I think most things that apply to Niftalite apply to four-color Omnath. Almost every color hate card works. Like, every color hate card 
that targets two color skills Omnath. Like Glare of Heresy is probably like pretty good. It kills Omnath, it kills Teferi, like it's fine if you've got like one. I wouldn't board in too many, but if you've got one boarded in. Uh disdainful stroke, ether gust, mystical dispute, negate to an extent, probably becomes a little bit worse here, because but they've got like Ugin and Genesis Ultimatum and Escape to the Wild, so your negate's probably gonna be pretty good too. Noxious Grass. Part the Water Veil and Crush of Tentacles are in this this deck now too. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, they've run the search cards and the extra turn cards, and it's really strange, but I do like it. Notion Thief, again, really good. So if you're either like binging this or have good memory, when we talk about Niv, we were talking about how Ashiok from War of the Sparks pretty good because it stops the searching. That one is probably not very good here. Yeah, it stops Uro, but the searching is a little less relevant because it's generally only like Fabled Passage, which nice to switch off, but if they're playing like the Lotus Cobra version, they will find a way to get that mana they need, and they don't run a card like Bring to Light, so... They also play Evolving Wilds, so I mean, at least you get both of those. It's still not the best. But yeah, I think when it comes to blue, it's just like counter. That would be better against Niv than it would be here, but it would be fine. Like, honestly, I think pretty much everything that applies... I don't think I board differently in those matchups. Four-color Omnath or five-color Niv. I think my sideboarding's effectively the same. It might depend on, like, what they're seeing. If I'm seeing something weird game one, I'm reacting to it. Especially coming out of Niv Delight, which is much more prone to have weird one-offs. So your boarding's not exactly the same, but if you board the same, you're probably, like, 90% right. If not more. Like pretty much all the time if not just 100 percent right if you're not just doing the correct just say no that's that's the big thing if you're in blue and you can counter their stuff like just yes. especially saying no is good against the deck but especially also the draw effect like i noticed notion thief is better against this deck than it is against niv mm. narset is better against this deck than it is against niv because in this deck even more than in niv almost just every card in the deck just says draw a card and shutting that off, I mean, I'm going, I don't want to go on another Notion Thief rant again, but people play that card. It's so good and it feels so good. They've got an Uro, it's like, want to attack me with that? Do you? Want to swing at me with your Uro? I want to play your new Uro? Sure. Want to play an Omnath? Ooh, play an Omnath, sure, do it. Which draws a card for some reason, I'm still not over that. You want a you Grove Spiral? And that's even funnier with Notion Thief as opposed to Narset. But Notion Thief does not do anything to escape to the wilds. That's where you kind of go like, oh, okay. Yeah, then it's like, oh, exile. But if you're playing Notion Thief, there should be counter magic in your deck too. Yeah. There should be like negates or something. I want to say counter squall, but that's not legal. Do like me a good counter squall. Do you know what the card does, Brad? No. Counter squall is the Demir negate. It's a blue and a black counter target non-creature spell, but the opponent loses two life. That seems like the cliche black uh, splash effect that you like, like basically the, yeah. only, the only way that... Which is funny because in control the white splash for life gain is so much better, but normally people are like life gain sucks, but if you're playing control deck you don't really care about the two life loss but like, I played it in modern because it was like one less turn I had to dirtle and attack you with tree- creeping tar pit. So there it was pretty good. And in modern your mana screen. I wish Dovin Vito just said, can't be countered, also you gain two life. <laughs> I wish it just said gain two life, and not the can't be countered. It would just be a mirror of Counter Squall. Like how there is a mirror to absorb to. I don't know what it's called. There's a black counter spell that's just black, blue, blue, counter target spell. Its controller loses three life. There's just, I think it's literally from the same set. They just yeah. had absorb and reverse absorb. And I just wish Dovin's Vito was 
reverse counter scroll because then it wouldn't be such a toxic card. I mean, we we have ionize, kind of. So like you know, cool. Ionize has the upside of being easy to cast though. So I don't have much to add. If I forgot a card that says like destroy target elemental, it might be better here. But I don't, I don't think that exists. So yeah, I mean this this one's a quick one. I mean if we look at like. Uh... Uh, there's really nothing in white that I'm super excited about with this deck. Again, the hate color stuff, you hit you hit most of them being a four color deck. Yeah, white doesn't do much for me. I would say like edict effects, not edict, not edict, I'm sorry, extraction effects are uh, decent. Um but you have so many things to hit. Oh yeah, that that's probably a better one. Edicts aren't as good because they don't rely on Sylvan carry it the way Niv does. Mm-hmm. Well, like self-inflicted wound coming out of black is probably still pretty good if like mono black aggro because you like kill a blocker, make them lose life, and you just sort of like get your groove on, right? But it's not as impactful as it is in uh, Niv because they don't need the mana fixing as much because they're a four color deck as opposed to a five color. I don't even know what you would. Part of me would just be like name Ugin, even though it's like usually a one or two of in this deck. You you know my opinion on extraction effects. Yeah, I don't like them in these type of matchups because they have like five ways to win the game. I like extraction effects if they have one way to win the game, maybe two. Like in standard against approach, Lost Legacy was good because now they were playing a bad blue white control deck. Mm-hmm. But if you take the Omnath out of the Omnath deck, you're still playing against the Uro Ugin part of Water Veil pile, and you're still like you lose games, and you're like, wow, I didn't even notice Omnath was gone, but it can work. Especially if there's a type of card that really like gets you right in this matchup. If you can like punch through, but Uro gets you, I guess. Uh, if you like can build a powerful board, but Ugin gets you, yeah, you can like snipe the Ugin and make it so that avenue do no longer works for your opponent. But generally, I don't like them that much. Shifting Ceratops. Yeah, like against Niv. I don't know if we named it, if we talked about it against Niv. Not as much because there's a decent amount that can kind of deal with it because they have like Dreadbore and things like that. There's ways to remove. This deck, outside of Ugin, there's no way they can deal with it. Yeah, Ceratops pretty good too. It's just Ugin. Like, what are they going to do? Magma Spray it twice? They can't Aether Gust it? I mean, they they have one Deafening Clarion. When it's on a stack, but... Oh, yeah. They can Aether Gust it on the stack. But I mean, if you Aether Gust it on the stack, I'll just be like, yeah, on top. Deal with it next turn. Yeah, fuck are you gonna do about it? On top, huh? See you next turn. And then they aether gust it again. You're like, there's no way they have a third aether gust. <laughs> they always do, Brand. They always do. God. Uh, moving on to a deck we haven't really. It's always there, right? It's Jeskai Luka, which has almost turned more into Jeskai Transmogrify. Yeah, uh, can I bitch about that real quick? So, how the fuck? Are you going to sit there and say it's Jeskai Luka when they have completely dropped Luka? They dropped Luka? It, they, they, they do. If you look at the most recent deck list, according to Goldfish, on the challenges and 5-0s. Oh, I see it. It doesn't even have it anymore. They don't have Luka in the 75 anywhere anymore. It's the Luka effect. No, it's the tra- Transmogify was first. Well, it's the Polymorph effect. So, no, wait. Transmogrify was after Luka, right? Yeah, it's from M21. It was Ikoria then. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. So, but it's like Luca works as a face card. We all knew it as Luca. I mean, 
there's all these stories, right? I believe there is two varieties of Storm in Legacy, and their names have reversed. Well, the decks have reversed, but the names haven't. I think one of the decks was a Ad Nauseum Storm deck and was like somewhere in the name. I think it was called like the Perfect Storm or something. An event, and there was another type of Storm deck. And eventually the Perfect Storm deck dropped uh, Ad Nauseum and the other deck now runs Ad Nauseum. So they've effectively swapped deck lists by evolving, but the names haven't swapped yet. So like sometimes names just stick. It's stupid. It's names. I think it's kind of fun. Like when you're like, why is this called Jeskai Luka? There is no Luka there. And then you can go like Pepperidge Farm remembers. I mean, it makes sense. Transmogrify is one less mana than Luka. So yeah. Oh yeah. There's so like you just go turn three, you Omen of the Sun on end step, and you go fires Transmogrify. Mm-hmm. And then Adrian Treachery, I'm going to steal your land. Yorian, blink everything, steal your other land. Yeah. Ha, you can't play magic. Yeah. Aren't we having fun, kids? <laughs> no. I'm actually having a miserable time because you named Jeskai Luka in a deck that doesn't even play Luka anymore. This is like the Rectal's Arcanist thing all over again. Okay, but at least Pyromancer is still in the deck. True. <laughs> all right, so going to talk about what we can run. So this deck is a funny one. Because it attacks on a really weird axis. It's almost more like this is really bad against certain types of decks. Like Jeskai Luka is, for example, like it has the sweepers. So your cyber plan should probably more to deal with sweepers. If you're playing like White Weenie, what are they going to steal? One of your seven one drops, right? Or if you're a control deck and you can stall them once you have eight or nine lands and an agent resolves, what are you going to do? take one of my lands like it's fine but if your deck is built around stealing one of my eight lands i don't really care but for some cards to run now i've noted some cards and now i see the decks are quite different because they used to be a bit more planeswalker heavy so i would be in favor of cards like the elder spell eidolon of obstruction those cards don't really cut it anymore so there's the obvious one it's Skyclave Apparition in white, because of course it is, right? Like, Skyclave Apparition is great. I mean, yeah, it hits Narset to Fairy. That's a big deal. And um, Fires. It, yeah, it hits Fires. And what are they going to do? Steal it? Oh, no, you get my Tutu. That gives you, like, a random body if it dies. The misery. <laughs> yeah. Downside, it does not hit Yorian itself or Agent of Treachery. True. Nice one here, too, by the way, is Hushbringer. But you do need to like have a way to protect it, because otherwise they could just like the fairy bounce it or chain to the rock set. Or is it be a great deck to take advantage of Hushbringer because you just slap a bot uh, pants on it and then have Camatch's blessing yeah, to protect it? That works. Or Selva Savior. They've even started running the days on doing stuff. Like I'll be honest, I'm I'm not really sure how you like prepare well for this deck. I think it's very much a type of deck, and counter magic is good. Yeah, but you're still a fires deck. I don't have much experience playing. I'll be honest, I haven't played against this deck. I've played against it in Standard a little bit. I haven't seen it in Pioneer myself. You just don't see it that often because it's one of those decks that, like... Well, first off, like, if you ever want to see this deck being piloted, check out uh, Corey Baumeister. Um, he, this is his favorite deck in Pioneer, and he is great at this. Yes. Wait, one thing you'll notice that all decks have had some of the innovation you're seeing in the deck are his. Exactly. I was going to mention the uh, play sets of the triomes in there, even though they aren't in the colors. 
uh, for like Tetria. Um, there's no green in this deck, but he's like, you have this extra mana available from fires. So being able to cycle away your triomes with the extra mana is is amazing. Yeah, and it works for uh, Chain to the Rocks. Yeah, exactly. It gets more mountains in your deck for Chain to the Rocks. That's nice too. But yeah, I, I mean, in white, this is just, uh, I mean, Apparition I think is fine. Is there really much else in white that you're crazy about? There's really not that much that's going to be able to put the pressure on them out of white. I mean, if you really got, if you want to go super narrow um, in that mindset, cards like what's the Nightmaker, the Saga, the Mythic, that was really the Night one. Um, so to the B, so to the B. Oh, uh, Benalia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, History of Benalia. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you're in a Orzov Auras, or not Orzov Auras, um... But that's not even a card you want to bring in, though. It's not That's hardly a sideboard card, nor a main deck card, because it's bad. Yeah, and they have also three Anger of the Gods in the main. Side note, you, you always want to mention that their sideboard is uh, no red at all in there. No. It's just like, yeah, we're we're blue-eyed control. Um, so yeah, I don't see much else for white, unless you have anything besides Skyclave Aberration. Oh, again, like, Eidolon of Obstruction was better against the more Planeswalker-heavy versions. Mm-hmm. Now they're a little bit more just the the agent's cheese. Yeah. Oh, and I, I did not mean to say Orzov Auras, by the way. I was trying to think of uh, Esper, uh, like Doom Foretold, like that kind of control deck. Um, which, by the way, isn't it weird that like that used to be in the top 10 for Pioneer for like a few months, and now it's just kind of fallen off a bit? I mean, it always has to play a bunch of bad cards. There was just to play like a bunch of eggs and how dare you? You don't have to play eggs. Or like it plays like history of it could play like history of Benalia or Yeah, I mean, but you, you mostly go like you, you play Omen of the Sea, Othakaya, Trial of Ambition, Elspeth Conquers Death, Shark Typhoon. It's just super dirtily. It's not a bad deck, it's just an unbelievably dirtily deck. What do you think is the better Yorian deck? That deck or this deck? This deck. Hmm. Because there's certain matchups where it just yoink stuff with Agent of Treachery and it just like wins you the game. Ooh, Omniscience is the deck I want to see in uh, Pioneer. Omniscience. It's Omniscience combo with Omens. And you basically loop, uh, you play all the playsets of like the Omens from Theris Beyond Death. And uh, you know the red one? It deals two damage to any target. You play Omniscience. You play uh, Flood, Flood of Tears from M20. And then you the combo is omniscience flood of tears and then you loop that with the red omen and then just kill your opponent just keep pinging it for two and then it's a control deck on the way there and it has like uro and stuff like that in it too cool yeah so yeah if you were looking for great ways how to deal with this deck i'll be honest i don't have to spice either i mean obviously obvious ones mystical dispute negate dovin's veto counter magic is good against this deck i think elder spell can work but more if you also have a planeswalker to dump the counters on. You go Bolas Elder Spell, win the game. This is where extraction effects because especially because they're not running Luca anymore. If it's just Transmogrify and you take that out, then they just become an awkward Jeskai control deck. Yeah, extraction effects. Extraction effects can work very well here. And then they daze undoing you with Narsa and you cry. <laughs> Why would you take out Transmogrify? Just take out the agent. Oh, uh... So they can't hardcast it, and then they're trying to have to dirtle their way to the finish line with Yorion and tokens. But it really like kills like a big axis of the deck, which is this agent of treachery sort of cheesy or well this cheesy play. 
and the extraction effects are pretty good there. Alex, I, I got really excited for half a second because I, for some reason, thought Valkyrie Awakening had the wording of saying target player puts any number of cards. Nope, it's I wish it was target just because it's like randomly. Here's a funny, quick side note about Valakut's Awakening. The first time I saw Valakut's Awakening spoiled, it was on Mythic Spoilers, and it was one of these like super blurry, like almost impossible to read. And I couldn't read. I, it was so vague that I didn't notice that there was a number next to the red. So first time I read it, I thought it was one red mana. And I was like, this is the best card in the history of this game. What have they done? And then I saw it. And then I saw like, wait, there is something there. I guess it's two mana. That's still really good. And that was three mana. And I was like, oh, kind of killed my excitement. You know, it made it really hard for me to judge the card. Because for like a better part of a week, I thought it was a one-mana card. And I was like, this is one of the best cards ever. And then I learned it was three mana. And compared to being one mana, that's so bad. It made me really it made it really hard for me to objectively judge the card when it was spoiled. I, I think it's so good though. In the right deck. It is good. It is a good card. In the right deck, it is a very good card. But it's definitely worse than if it would be one mana. Uh outside of uh extraction effects in black, is there anything else before we move on to red? Not really. Is there anything in red besides just like bodies to kill your opponent quicker? I kind of like Rampaging Frostodon can be pretty cute. They gain some life. Even if they steal it, the effect works both ways. I mean, they gain life on what? Birth of uh, Miletus? I thought Oban of the Sun gained life too. Oh, you gained two life, yeah. And they, they obviously put tokens into play. So they also get punished for playing the tokens. But it's not great. It's hard to see what you want to put in in this matchup. Yeah, I don't see much out of red. It's just like, just anything that kills them. And then in green, you just cry because this seems like a miserable matchup for any green deck that's actually. You're playing mono green. Yeah. Thanks for your Steel Leaf champion or thanks for your Karn. Oh my god. I hate. No. <laughs> no, this is a horrible matchup for mono green. You can't do anything. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like, what do you wishboard at with Karn? I don't know, a different deck. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? Which board, right? You could try, like, please, please, can I please have a different deck? And you go to sideboard, and suddenly you see, like, Beaumont Courier and Monastery Swift Spirit, and you're like, yes! <laughs> can I please uh, play Boros Burn for this matchup, thanks to my Karn? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, you just have it on the side in a metal deck box, and you're like, this is my artifact. Um... Outside of red, what's yeah, yeah, then we said red, whatever, green, bad, uh, colorless, no longer pithing needle because it's not a Luca deck, yeah. I don't see anything for colorless, and then multicolored is just like, hey, you have Dovin's Veto, Dovin's Veto is amazing here, Dovin's Veto is an all star card in this matchup. Outside of that, uh, and and the main thing I think we we didn't talk about is disenchant effects, mm -hmm. wilt, disenchant. Um, yeah, Light of Dawn. Those cards. Now, I'm generally not a big fan of those cards. It's for a similar reason when we talked about it with Wilderness Reclamation, where it's like this deck is still good without fires. Like this deck still works without fires. Yeah. If you're spending the card and spending the mana to disenchant their fires, especially because they will go fires, get priority immediately cast the spell so you're not they've effectively paid zero mana for their fires of invention you pay two mana and if you're like a mono green aggro deck or something like 
what are you doing? You spent two mana against their zero, you should be busy getting them dead. You shouldn't be busy doing any of this dirtly stuff. Just kill him. Yeah. And then you can do cute stuff with Yorian and then like bouncer fires. You no longer have the two spell claws and you can keep going off that way. Which at least this deck doesn't play any Yorians in the main. It's just in the companion slot. So you don't have to worry about that line of play as the opponent too often. But God, I always hated the fires decks when they're like, yeah, slam down Yorian. And then it's like, bounce fires wow i have all this mana open because i played yorian for free i no longer have the two spell thing uh teferi so real quick it's not really anything super i mean it's relevant to what we're talking about but do you see any valid reasoning to uh play a jeskai super friends fires type thing instead of the luca ish combo like, do you see any reason to do that if you like that kind of deck? Like, it's still good. I mean, if you're playing Fires, you could play, like, a little bit more traditional. You could put, like, some 5-mana Teferis in there, some Chandras in there. I don't think it improves the deck. I think it probably makes the deck worse. But I don't think you hurt the deck that much. Because there is there's a lot of, like, there's 4 Omen of the Sun, 4 Birth of Melitas... Especially there's the Days Undoing with Narset, which is, like, cute, but I don't think it's, like, a super integral part of the deck. So if you would want to go for different axes, especially, like, if you're facing a lot of extraction effects, I can see you wanting a different game plan mixed in. And I think this deck's okay for that. Because it's not committed to fires and, like, that Agent of Treachery stuff, that it's, like, that's how it wins, right? Well, that's exclusively how it wins. Where sometimes you feel like you're really diluting a deck, where this is just a control deck, effectively, and this Agent of Treachery stuff is just a thing it does. So you can do other things to get your way to a win. I just realized something. Remember how last week I was saying it's interesting to think about how Historic has a lot of the same card pool? Minus, obviously, a decent it's a, it's a decent amount of sets, but... We usually draw the comparison from Historic to Pioneer. We've had that dual kind of inspiration of like Rakdos Pyromancer and stuff like that. And I said last week how it's interesting that we have some decks that are just playable in Historic that are just not playable in Pioneer, like Godfrey's Gift and like Energy. I just remembered why. Wilderness Reclamation and Fires of Invention are banned in Historic. <laughs> yeah, that makes it a lot more difficult to play these cards. <laughs> yeah. If Fires Invention and Wilderness Reclamation were banned in Pioneer, we might have... They'd be all over. Yeah, we might... Oh, if they were unbanned in Historic, they'd be all over. Yeah. yeah, and if they were banned in Pioneer, we might have an Energy deck or a God Pharaoh's Gift deck in Pioneer that would be, like, more lower-tiered. But there. So, yeah, I just completely forgot that, like, yeah, those cards are just not legal. Or Three Fairy. Or, uh, what's the other one that's banned? Uh, Winota's banned. And in, in historic, I just thought because I had to look this up, and I believe there is another card with an effect like this. But there is a card that is very cute, pretty good if you can find other spots for it against this deck, and it's a Gruel Charm. Ooh, because Gruel Charm has choose one creatures without flying. Can I'm going to read them in a different order to keep the spicy one? Creatures without flying can't block this turn. Deal three damage to each creature with flying, or gain control of all permanents you own. So they're like, Agent of Treachery, your card. And you're like, right back at you, buddy. And you get it back with Gruel Charm. Pretty cute. A card that has seen play when this deck was more popular. 
because at the time it like also worked against spirits, right? So you found a different use for the card. Multicolored, because we're on that subject from for the uh, for the this deck five mana Tristani from guilds. Eh? I mean, I know it's super narrow. It's it's a meme. It's a meme, but like, it is funny how it does it all the time. It does it on every end step, not like rule chart. Yeah, until it. they take. Oh wait, if they take Tristani, does it go back to you? They give it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I have seen people do this with El- with the Eldest Reborn. That was a thing in Standard where people would be like, "Eldest Reborn, take your Tristani end step." Thanks. And you <laughs> is that that's where they shame scoop? I actually haven't done this i have probably been like 1700 times going to reach for the trustani and be like actually you can keep that mm-hmm. <laughs> i have somehow never made that mess up which would be 100 percent the type of thing i would do seven times before i learn is it permanence or is it just like creatures and stuff for trustani's wording because like what if does it give you your lands back is the thing that i'm curious about i am not sure it's yeah it's all creatures each player gains control of all creatures they owned. Man, if it was permanence, could you imagine just like after turns and turns of like them taking your lands? And then, I mean, you you have to have a lot of lands to be able to still cast this Tristani. But like, let's say you just able to get it out somehow. It's like, I will take all those back. Thank you very much. Pretty cool. I I wish we would have a uh, a Selesnya Tokens deck in Pioneer. I still have my play set of, uh, of March of the Multitudes. I love that card so much. <gasps> reclamation Selesnia reclamation with march of multitudes uh, uh? i love how you're like uh and i'm like uh <laughs> no yeah i know i mean in a Selesnia tokens commander deck you do reclamation and then march of the multitudes i mean yes but commander is that's going to be the upcoming meme with Kaldheim, right every time we're going to see some overcosted big god we're going to be like it's a cool commander card Anyway, moving on. Yeah, that we didn't we say that about something though recently that ended up just being oh we said that about Omnath. Omnath. We thought Omnath. <laughs> My initial reaction to Omnath was cool commander card. Oops. Yeah. Oh well. So moving on to the next one is one that we have a lot more to talk about because you and I have probably seen and played against this deck a ton, and everyone familiar with Pioneer has too, and it's mono black aggro. Probably now. Quick question before we continue: Do you want to? partially include mono black vampires in a slightly similar vein or would you want to exclude that i feel like i feel like a lot applies anyway so first out of white have a guess rest in peace no oh i mean that's a good one though but it can work but i'm not a big fan of that because you still need to kill their creatures i mean yeah isolate's great here to be honest isolate's great uh rest in peace i always have a bit of the issue where it's like your graveyard doesn't work. It's like, cool, there's still one mana, two ones, and I'm an aggro deck. Yes. The problem I always have with a card like Recipe is like, how many do you board in? Because if you draw the second, it's it's literally just it's completely dead, and you're still facing an aggro deck. Because mono black wins are actually pretty quick. Like, they have a bunch of one mana, two ones, Knight becomes huge, and then it's suddenly just like, out of left field, it's just Rankle, who is just such a threat. And Spawn of Mayhem. A turn three Spawn of Mayhem, you're just like... Oh yeah, Spawn of Mayhem's just kaboom. Like, oh, I am just dead. Dude, Spawn of Mayhem <laughs> is one of the most underappreciated cards to ever exist. I fell in love with this. I played this card as a finisher in a control deck in Standard. A Mardu control That's deck. Ambitious. Because I am a heathen. Yeah, and it was great. I love this. I love Spawn of Mayhem so much. 
White cards, Apostle of Purifying Light. Great card. And I like that one more than Rest in Peace because of, yes, it's a lot of mana investment, but you've got the board, and then you can start eating their graveyard. Yeah. It's like a card we'll talk about with, like, with like Scavenging Ooze, too, where it's like you're working to the board while also dealing with that graveyard idea. Like, Isolate. Skyclave Apparition, because, of course. And the card I brought up last week, too, in Fiendslayer Paladin. Uh, funnily enough, slightly worse against mono black vampires because they can kill it with Sorin. Because it has protection from instant and sorceries of that color. And uh, spells, even. But Sorin is an ability because how planeswalkers work. Which you made that comment last week when you said, oops, if they just board in Chandra, the four mana Chandra, you, you die to that too. Yeah, true. So there is. It's not perfect, but if you would want to bring that card in, I think it is very much a blowout. I mean, against mono black aggro, they literally just don't have an answer, bar like Rankle. Like Rankle, if your board is empty and they edict you for it, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Apostle Purifying Light just gives me nightmares as like, because my, my main deck right now in Pioneer is mono black vampires. I mean, you can splash ores off or whatever, which I do, but um, yeah. Apostle Purifying Light is just a terrifying card to me. I'm so glad it doesn't see as much play right now, but like, God. I love it. It's in all my white decks. Like, it's so good. It's a very good card. It's good, and I still think it's underrated. The card is fantastic. Out of blue, if you don't have any white cards to add. Uh, no, I think I, I my only one would be Isolate, really, outside of that. Like, Isolate really cool. Yeah, yeah. Definitely one I didn't specifically mention isolate would be very good but isolate's super narrow but at least isolate's good against like uh um what's it called i mean there is like 12 one drops in the deck yeah it's 12 one drops four blood so four dread wanderer four night of the ebon legion yeah so so that hits a lot i think that's okay if you, again isolate is the type of card that's only a one or a two of anyway you're not going to board in four isolate because there's never going to be four isolate in your deck so yeah, if you have one or two isolates, it's a pretty reasonable card to bring in. Out of blue, I don't have much. Counter magic is always bad against decks with recurring creatures. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you going to do? Counter a Bloodsoak champion? First of all, you're never going to be spending less than two mana on your counter spell in that sense, because you can like essence scatter it or censor it. And it's just going to come back. Some exceptions are cards like Horribly Awry and Void Shatter because they exile. They're still not great. Three mana counter spells are the type of card you board out. If you're in mono blue, this is not your dream matchup. This is not a not a fun one. Engulf the shore, I guess, but you know, have fun. Yeah. That that is a classic though, Engulf the Shore. I like that card a lot. Yeah. But there's not much like I'm obviously playing a lot of Grixes, and all my answers I have come up with have always been either red or black. Mm-hmm. So moving into those, which I think are probably the best colors at dealing with it, is other black decks. Fatal Push is good. Uh, Cling to Dust is pretty good because it can target these cards in the graveyard. They play a sufficient amount of non-creatures too, that if you need to cycle it away, it might take you a little bit before you have to start eating your own graveyard. But generally speaking, I really like that card. I like Kalidus. It's pretty great. They kill it pretty quickly, so you need to be prepared. Like, please have a Kalidus and a Fatal push-up at the same time. Mm. Like, if you just slam turn for Kalidus, Kalidus, you're in for a bad time. Yeah. If you don't have other creatures, they're going to rankle you, and you're just going to be, like, ultra sad. 
I do think it dies at the same time, so you do still get your zombie, but like you've still lost your Kalidas. Uh to like a sort of like very cheapish effect. Or they're just gonna like revolt it, push it, or murderous rider it, heartless act it. Like naked Kalidas is really scary against this deck, and it's probably gonna end up getting you killed. As it has done for me often. Where I'm I'm forced in that position, slam a Kalidas, and I just it just kept murdered rider then. Then they murderously ride over. Uh, Leyline of the Void is, is good, especially if you're in a mono-black deck in the mirror. To me, it has the same problem as Rest in Peace. And it's a worse top deck. It's a far worse top deck. So, but at least it's like... I mean, I, I would say all Leylines are. Yeah, true. But the problem with Leyline of the Void I have too is that you're always going to bring in like three or four because who puts two Leyline in their sideboard? Masochists? Probably. But... Again, I'm not a big fan of Leyline or Rip. Because there's just other starts. Again, another card that works in this way is Legion's End. That works towards fighting the board while incidentally eating the graveyard. Because some of the cards... Shadow's Verdict. Shadow's Verdict is unbelievable in this matchup. Now, it doesn't kill Rankle, and it doesn't kill Spawn of Mayhem, but it just eats everything else. Like it hits Skyclave Shade, Scrapheap Scrounger, and all the one drops. That's big. All the one drops, which the ones that are in the graveyard, the ones that are on the field. It is like when I play my deck and I have Shadows Verdict in the sideboard because I've put it in since Zendikar and I've just never taken it out because the card is so good. It's all, almost like I'm just stalling to that card. It's like, make sure I have removal for the Rankle, mm. have a counter for the Spawn of Mayhem, then I untap play Shadow's Verdict, and the game just ends. Unless I'm, like, at four, and they top deck a Rankle. But, like, otherwise the game is just over. The card is fantastic against Mono Black Aggro. Moving on to Red, unless you have other suggestions. Red has some nice ones, too. Then the main ones being uh, Magma Spray and Anger of the Gods. They are just super good. Anger is, like... A semi-Shadows Verdict, except once the graveyard's already filled up, it's not as good, but it obviously comes out much earlier. It even kills Rankle, because Rankle's a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Um, very clean, comes down early enough. Right, We talked about how the burn decks are like good at punishing decks that rely on 3-mana sweepers. Mono Black's not that, because Mono Black doesn't run the like large burn aspect, and they don't have a lot of hasty creatures. They just have Rankle from the top of my head. Yep. So they can definitely have these turns where they like have to play one or two creatures which haven't done anything yet, pass to you and you anger off the gods them and the tempo swing is huge. And Magma Spray is just good, efficient, early, slows them down sufficiently. Yeah, Angry Gods is really good. I mean, I think that's... Yeah, those two are the big main ones that I've read that I can think of. Yeah, there's other cards like it, like Scorching Dragonfire, which can come in in other matchups. Which has, like, I mean, if we want to give the shout out to Mono Black Vampires, they go Sorin Ticket down. It kills it. Not really the position you want to be in, but it works. Yeah. I think the main thing that. And it's also worth remembering that if you can also do other things too, because there have been plenty of times where I go, like in Mono Black Vampires, I might go turn one, Night of the Legion. Uh, turn two, play a two drop like a dusk legion zealot or a you know a, a gifted aetherborn turn three soren down tick get out a uh get out the uh the big boy champion of dusk yeah you could in theory 
kill um, on the stack for Jamie uh, Dusk. You could kill one of the vampires, make him draw one less card. Or sometimes if it's super narrow and like they just like top deck Soren, you know, play it minus on empty board in Jamie Dusk and you just kill the Jamie Dusk in response. Not Scorching Dragonfire, obviously, because it's a 4 4. But uh, cards like that in general, they don't draw anything now. So. Yeah, I think the main difference if we're talking about uh, mono black vampires and mono black aggro is that the exile part of your card is less relevant against vampires because they their cards aren't as recursive now with Academy's Awakening and one of your favorite cards, No Priest of Oblivion. No Priest of Oblivion. They have mm. more graveyard stuff. But yeah, it, but it's it's not it's not leaning on it. So it, yeah, it's like S- Supreme Verdict is better against this deck, much better than it is against Mono Black. Uh, Hour of Devastation, which scoops up Sorin, much better against this deck. Heartless Act, actually not shit. Like there's Heartless Act is not bad if you kill your stuff before Sorin gets out of hand because he puts counters on things. Yeah, that's true. But like Mono Black Aggro is much more about trying to sort of keep the board in check early because like the Soren downtick champion draw three or four that's kind of what gets you mm. so you can also just attack that angle like you could like keep in thoughtsies you could have some more counter magic in uh, i would could like justify bringing in a negate because you just really don't want to play against that Soren. uh sensor buys you time because they have to play either they counter it or you counter it or their Soren comes down a turn later so there's there's a little more play in that matchup, and it's a bit more sort of like more mm-hmm. regular magic instead of graveyard shenanigans. The game, yeah. The problem with uh, if you're if we're talking about being in red specifically um, against the mono black vampires deck, you're not in the best spot because if they get Soren down and they down tick either blood Bar- blood baron of uh, Viscopa or uh, Kalidus and get that out of turn earlier. Um, yeah, that's terrifying as a red deck. Oh, another fun card of which one I mentioned for mono black vampires is Storm's Wrath, which is just an earlier, a one turn earlier, but slightly less powerful out of devastation. Just four mana, four to every creature and every planeswalker. But that sort of curves a bit nicer into like following up their Soren. Yeah. Than Hour of Devastation. No, does. yeah, that makes sense. But if you Soren down tick into a Dusk Legion Zealot, I'm sorry, not Dusk Legion Zealot, a Champion of Dusk, um, and you just refilled three cards, it's like the Sweeper has a little less value. But I've I've also. True, but the Sweeper also like four for one. Yeah, you. I've also flat out just like drawn into three lands before on that as well. So either because you run 24 lands just like you do in this uh, Mono Black Aggro deck. Um, one deck or one card out of black that is worth exploring should we get into more tribe stuff later on the reason it's played in historic is because goblins is so relevant which is vengeance exactly now some cards can dodge it but i've had to do some interesting kind of things with which is vengeance um like i'll play a knight of the ebon legion i'll thought seize them um, and then, like, they have two Witches Vengeance. Take out one of them. And I'm like, okay, now I have to keep up this three mana instead of aggress. Like, um, you might not be able to aggressively start putting in damage to grow it. So you keep up the three mana so you can just grow it in response. So it gets out of range of dying, which I've done a couple of times. And people are just like, oops. And they just start spamming oops at me. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 
But I mean, that card's a little too narrow. It's minus three, minus three, which gets around indestructible, which is nice. But what are we worrying about within tribes specifically that have indestructible? Not really anything at the moment. And outside of vampires, is there any other tribe other than spirits that we have to worry about? Which against spirits, you'd rather have anger the god. Humans. Well, I mean, it's pretty good against humans. If you're coming out of a black aggro deck, if you're playing like zombies or you're playing vampires and you're facing a lot of humans, uh, which is Vengeance is really good. I cannot wait for Pioneer to be in the position where humans is a deck in Pioneer. That is where I'm going to be like, Pioneer's at its peak. When humans is finally at an actual playable deck, which we've kind of teetered a little bit here and there, um, thanks to like Kudro and all the humans that we have available. Like the four-color Coco humans are cute. But oh my god, if when humans is a straightforward deck. I mean Innistrad's probably gonna give us like another like human synergy. I, I can't imagine Innistrad having no human synergy in it either. Well I know it's vampires and werewolves. Watch it watch us have a a human vampire or, or a human werewolf. Why why not? I mean it it, it doesn't make sense lore wise, but they will probably do it. I mean, neither does like half of the shit they came up with in Ikoria, like dinosaur dragon cat beast. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that. Oh, it's mutated. No, shut up. You just want to jam as many keywords into a thing as you could. Right, but let's get the last deck out of the way so we can talk about, very quickly touch on the call time spoiler that we've had so far and maybe do a few mailbag questions depending on the time. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry. Very quickly touch on some other cards for Mono Black. Green is Scavenging O's, which is a very good card. I thought there was a pro black creature that was pretty good, but I forgot. Pro black card would obviously be very powerful. I think there was one, but I forgot. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, but Scavenging Ooze is good. Uh, does get Fatal pushed and stuff quickly, but is overall a good threat. And out of Colorless, I'm thinking of Lantern, uh, Soul Guide Lantern, which is reasonable. It can sort of work as like a semi-cling-to-dust style effect coming out of Colorless, but if their graveyard is really like chock-full of goodies... It's like the emergency button to just get rid of all of it. Yeah. Side note, I don't think there are any protection from black uh, legal cards in green from in Pioneer. I just, I just checked. Um, then I had uh, had it mixed up. There's uh, there's Blight Beetle, which has protection from green. That's the reverse. All right, so the last deck we're talking about then is Lotus Field, everyone's favorite deck. Yeah. Which I'm sure no one hates. Everybody's favorite. Remember when it was one of the best decks in the format? God, I miss that. Uh, don't you miss the other two decks too? Oh yeah, very much. I miss the the fourth deck quite a bit. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, whatever. That was relevant for two weeks, and then it got the hammer. They unbanned a card that made it really good, and they're like, you know what? All right. So people are probably going to be very aware of it. All right, we're going to go in a different order. We're going to say colorless first. Damping sphere, damping sphere, damping sphere, damping sphere, and damping sphere. Yep. It's just. Colorless, it's the easiest answer. This deck is this deck is a really weird one, which means it's very hard to tech against because it uses very weird cards and very weird lines. Damping Sphere is the easiest one. Yep. It shuts off the Lotus Field, uh, which also means it is unbelievably good at punishing bad pilots. Like, people are going, like, turn one... I've seen people go, like, turn one Green Source Grazer, and I go, like, okay, turn one land, whatever... They go turn to Lotus Field, sack my lands, go, and I'm like, okay, cool, Damping Sphere. It no longer taps for colored mana. So it's really good at punishing bad pilots. 
It's just an incredible card against it overall. It, it stops the deck on every axis. It can color screw it. Uh, they can't storm off. It, it's just a really good card. Yep. Um, the white version of that, going back to the normal order, is effectively Deafening Silence. And the great thing about Deafening Silence is that it is super easy to make one-sided, because if you don't run a lot of non-creatures, it doesn't even apply to you. Like, if you're playing something like, I don't know, um, Horse of Humans, you can't go, like, turn one, play a human, turn two, play a Damping Sphere, and then turn three, go, like, human, 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 because you're under your own Damping Sphere. But Deafening Silence is one-sided. Uh, in, you can make it one-sided. Like, I ran it when I run Rally the Ancestors with Zombies. That was just a creature deck with just Rally or Return to the Ranks. So, or Liliana, but I never cast two of those cards in one turn. So it, it didn't apply to me, the Deafening Silence. So I could just continue my game plan, except for playing, spending one white mana in an early turn. Like, the deck doesn't even make it, so you have to do it on turn one. There is a very low chance that they're going to go off on turn three. So you can even just go about your game plan for the first one or two turns, get some pressure on, and then spend that one mana on a Deafening Silence, which is really nice. Yeah, I believe there is also an Eidolon. Oh, there's Rule of Law is pretty good. And I think Eidolon of... Ooh, I forgot the name. I'm sorry, there is an Eidolon that says players can only cast one spell per turn. Yeah, there's also the Archon... I think that came out of Zenikar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, Archon of Amiria. Yes, it's really good. That even makes it so they're like Thespian stage enters tapped. So that one's really nice. It's just like a lot of the white taxing effects are just good, which is actually like wow. White's actually really good at hating this out. There's a lot of incidental good cards that White has that can hate this out. Spirit of the Labyrinth is good too. Why is it all about justice, right? Like, or balance, I guess, in a sense. That's the whole kind of like spiel of it. So, it, it, of course, it's going to punish a deck that's like greedily burning through all the resources. Yeah. So, there's Eidolon of Rhetoric, which is players can't cast more than one spell each turn. That works. A Spirit of the Labyrinth, each player can't draw more than one card each turn, which is literally just a two mana three one. So, it even like it's good at applying pressure to the deck. Uh, so all those cards work. The Punisher, you can't do more than X things white cards mm-hmm. are all good against it. It draws a lot of cards, it makes a lot of mana, it casts a lot of spells, and all the white cards that are just like, chill. They're all good here. Yeah, this this is uh, quite the fun deck. The only one that isn't good really is Thalia Heretic Cathar, because it just makes their lands enter tapped, so it's like half of the Archon of Armeria. But the first half of Archon of Ameria, which is players can't cast more than one spell, is much more relevant. However, the Archon is uh, works both ways and also punishes you. Mm-hmm. You can't really make it as one-sided as you can do with Deafening Silence. But because it's a creature, that has the benefit. You can like Court of Calling for it or uh, Neoform for it, which is where we're seeing it most of the time. Yep. Uh, you can hit it with Collected Company. So it has those upsides, being creatures. And it also ends the game. Deafening Silence just slows the game down, but it doesn't actually win you the game because it doesn't attack. For blue, it's the usual suspects being all the counter magic and Narset. Yeah, Mystical Spew is good early, but once they start going off, Mystical Spew isn't as good because they have the ability to pack up all this mana with Lotus Field and Thespian Sage copying Lotus Field. 
the paying three can be relevant, but if they pay three for something, I mean, I, I I've had them still get through double mystical disputes before. Yeah. So it's an early game card. You kind of want to mulligan heavily for it because stopping an early like Faye of Wishes or Baral uh, might be relevant. Um, strategic planning, even stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's the only downside of that card. But otherwise, yeah, I, just counter magic in general can be very good. Yeah, and Narset because they rely on drawing a fair amount of cards too. With a card like yeah, um, bore over the pages, for example. Yep. Um, but it's not perfect because they do have a lot of look at effects like dig through time, strategic planning, which actually aren't countered by Narset, but. It does stop like a reasonable amount of cards. It also stops Vizier of Tumbling Sands. Well, they still get the untap, but they don't get the draw, which is one of the big parts of the card too. So there's still a lot that it stops, uh, which is nice. Mm. I don't know if there's any card you want to add in blue before we move on. Uh, not really. I mean, you could... Aethergust is not very good here because there's not enough green stuff to really justify hitting. Um, I see Shifting Ceratops in the sideboard, so like, but that's again very narrow. And other than that, blue stuff, no. I would just move on to the next one, which is black. Black, which is Thoughtseize. Yep. Is obviously very good. And extraction effects are pretty good too. Before we talk about extraction effects, I want to mention Fatal Push. Yes. As being an incredibly important card, which is really awkward sounding. But if you're an aggro deck, there is a creature that they run a four of that's really important to this deck, and it's a Boreal Grazer. That card, as weird as it sounds, if you're like in like Orzov Humans, for example, or Mono Black Aggro, you kind of want to kill that because you want to get in your damage and you want to get through. You've got a lot of two ones. Yeah. Like these decks have a lot of two ones, and Arboreal Grazer is going to gain them like two, four, six, eight, ten life over the course of a game. Mm-hmm. And because because they also run cards like Anger of the Gods, or at least you can tutor for them. So you kind of need to overextend, right? And if you go with Arboreal Grazer, you're gonna they block a card so you're like, uh I can't like attack with just two or three creatures because percentage wise they absorb so much of that damage with Arboreal Grazer. So I'm gonna have to play another creature, even two creatures, to kind of like overpower that. And then you're just running in sweepers. Yeah. And you're probably not going to have enough good cards to bring in anyway. Yep, and they also have Brawl now, which was a big part of the, a lot of the decks lately. That's a two-mana card. And Fae of Wishes, if they actually play the creature side of it, is a two-mana creature. Which I can do too, because again, if you're playing a lot of two-ones, a one-four blocker is pretty good. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think you Fatal Push, although it sounds weird, is pretty good in this matchup, actually. Yes, it is. It is. It's. It's actually like good. Like, don't just like by default board out all your removal because none of their creatures are relevant because they are surprisingly relevant. But you want to talk about extraction effects, and there is a card that you need to target a hundred percent of the time. Which one is it? Fay of Wishes. Exactly. They have a Mastermind's acquisition, but like it's a one of, and Fay of Wishes is the biggest thing that gets into this stuff. It can depend. Like sometimes they have these weird splits. Which is almost like it's almost as if all the Lotus Field players have like made this pact together. It's like we're gonna throw off people with their extraction effects. Yeah. And uh, but generally, extraction effects come in game two and three. So you've probably had some information on your opponent's deck. 
So you might actually kind of know, or you see mostly Fey of Wishes. And again, Fey of Wishes is also good because it's recurrable, which is a very big part of it. And I believe, is it Fey of Wishes that can get things out of Exile too, or was that card? I thought there was one also where you extra. Oh no, wait, that was in Inverter. They had tech against extraction events. Yeah, it's it's only it's only you may choose non creature uh, card from you that you own outside of the game, which used to count Exile but doesn't anymore. Now, if you get lucky and for some reason they stumble, right? Like if let's say you're on the play and you go turn one, take a thing uh, with Thoughtseize or something like that. Turn two, you do whatever, and on their turn two, part of your turn three, they just play a land and go Sylvan Scrying or Strategic Planning. And then you Extraction Effect, you can name, if you're playing the correct Extraction Effect or Extraction Card, you can name Lotus Field, and that's awesome. Problem is, you're not going to do that as often as you think. So that's why we say typically you name Fae of Wishes, but if you can name Lotus Field... Yeah, if they don't have a Lotus Field in play yet, name Lotus Field. Yes. I would say. Then outside of Extraction Effects, because I don't think there's really much else in black, it's really Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, and Extraction Effects. Yes, I agree. Unless you have other hand attack, you can have like Agonizing Remorse, Duress, like those cards work too, obviously. Thought Distortion, which they play, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, side note. If you plan on playing against this deck, and you find yourself against this deck, do not keep a hand where you're like, maybe I'll get there. Do not keep that one lander that has all this amazing action that you're like, this. if I draw lands, this is amazing. Because this, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to draw no lands. They're going to get a fave wishes. And they're going to get down their Lotus Field and copy with Thespian Stage. And they're going to Thought Distortion you. Congrats. The first time this happened to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. I played in a store and I was playing uh, Control, obviously. And at one point, I felt comfortable with my uh, counter spells in my hand. I think I had, like, seriously something like two negates, two disdainful stroke, uh, ether gust. This was when it was Underworld Breach. This allows something. Like, my hand was literally loaded with counter spells. And they had two thought distortion. One was boarded in, and one was still on the side. So they literally, at one point, just went Lotus Field. All right, tap it, tap it. Hidden strings. Okay. I think they did one, like, tap for green. Like, okay, hidden strings, okay. And I was sitting there, like, I'm going to counter, like, your Fae of Wishes, your Underworld Breach. Tap for three black Thought Distortion. Mm. And I just had to literally just put my six-card six hand in exile. <laughs> it felt so bad. <laughs> you, you did not have commit to memory this time around, so... No. Correct. And you know what card I put in my sideboard after that game? Or after that FNM? Leyline? Summary Dismissal. Oh, yeah. Because fine. it works against uncounterable cards. I was like, this is not happening to me again. Um, Red. What we got? Burning Earth. God, stop Stop naming Burning Earth. It's not going to happen. You're literally being the meme from Mean Girls. Stop, making bur- or stop trying to make Burning Earth happen. It's not going to happen. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> No, I don't have much else. Aggro. I mean, you you just try to kill him. Yeah. Uh, Rabble Master is where is where it's really good here. Rabble Master is very good here. Like again, they have Anger of the Gods to bring in from the sideboard. They'll probably bring in two Anger of the Gods, keep one on the side for for Fabushes to grab. Depends what you're playing. If you're playing a like like a control deck, like a red control style deck. Oh yeah. They're probably not going to bring in Anger. Right? Yeah. You just Rebel Man. Rebel Man. Let's go. Yeah. 
Um, and then that's really it for red. Just stuff that just hasty and kill them. You need to kill them. Eidolon's good. But that's generally a card you board in. Yeah, that's that's maimed. Yeah, Eidolon can be good. Ashen Zealot used to be good when it was Underworld Breach, but no longer is. Yep. And there is, yeah, yeah, there is one we're forgetting. It's Scab Clan Berserker. No idea what you're saying. That is a good card. Unfamiliar with this card. Scab Clan Berserker is one red red for a human berserker, kind of in the name, a 2-2 with haste and renown one. When this creature deals combat damage to a player, if it isn't renowned, put a 1-1 counter on it, and it becomes renowned. Nice. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, if Scab Clan Berserker is renowned, Scab Clan Berserker deals 2 damage to that player. So it becomes like a sort of unrestricted mana cost um, Eidolon. That card's pretty good too. Uh, that was a card that the big red decks ran in the sideboard against Lotus Field, because the if you're already playing a red aggressive deck, I mean, this thing comes, even if they're at 20, right? This thing comes in, hits them for two. Again, get that Arboreal Grazer out of the way. Um, this comes in, hits them for two. That means even in a peripheral, they're at 18. They now have nine spells to cast until before they lose the game. And if you already got in like a turn one Swift Spear, turn two, I don't know, Carry Zev or something else, turn three this... It's something like you have like six spells to cast. And after that, you're done. And that includes the card they need to use to deal with this. You, you're going to get them pretty quickly with this card. And it's not legendary. You can have multiple, just like Eidolon. So you can stack this style of Punisher effect. And it's also cool because your opponent has to pick it up and read it. Well, it's kind of, it, it was kind of popular at the time, but it's, it's fallen out of favor. But with Mono Red coming back, I can see this being a card again that Mono Red deck starts running because it's three mana, so it wasn't in the Luris decks. But the Mono Red decks now, the Mono Red decks aren't Luris decks, obviously. This would work in Obosh, but nobody runs Obosh. And out of multicolored cards in the vein of Burning Earth, but it's Cinder Vines. You skipped green. What do you play out of green? Nothing, but you skipped green. <laughs> That's why I skipped green. <laughs> Questing Beast, I don't know. And multicolor Dovin's Veto. Again, Notion Thief. Well, I think, no, Shifting Ceratops is probably noteworthy here. I mean, it's maybe a hair slow. They're not really trying to interact with it, though. It's it's a five, It's effectively five mana for a 5-4 with haste. No, yeah, you're right. So yeah, green's bad. It's it's okay, I guess. If you're playing mono green, you're probably bringing it in because you want as many haste threats as you can. It doesn't die to anger of the gods. Like, it's okay. But I wouldn't really call it an anti-Lotus card. It's more a card that, okay, you can bring it in. But if I'm building a sideboard or just picking a deck, thinking like, I want to be able to deal with Lotus Field, Shifting Ceratops is not in my consideration. And these other cards are. Except for Burning Earth, that isn't, but it's just a meme. Ooh, Golgari, uh, what's it called? It's the mono green card that gets X amount of plus one plus one counters. Uh, for the amount of creatures you have in your graveyard. <laughs> it has haste. Oh, what's that called? Golgari like champion or something? It's out of uh, guilds. It's an uncommon. I know Loplas Giants rains them. I know which one you mean, because I've died to it. Yeah, out of nowhere. You're just like, oh, that's a card. Cool. It's Golgari Raiders. Yes. I imagine uh, Dovin's Veto is good here. Yeah. Veto, Notion Thief is great again. Especially because... They can tap pretty low, 
before they get started, right? So if they tap for a pour over the pages, you flash in Notion Thief, you draw three, they discard two, you're probably in a pretty good position. Uh, and um, I don't know if I mentioned it already, Cinder Vines. Yeah. Cinder Vines is pretty good too. Use it like in the sort of dual way where it used to be able to blow up their breach because they no longer play breach. But still, like every time they cast a spell, they take one. It's pretty good, just like that Scap Clan Berserker. Though, do note, you know, newsflash, one is less than two. But it's honestly, it can be a pretty big difference in the way that if they have one spell, if they only take one, like I just talked about with the Scap Clan Berserker, right? Where it's like in a perfect world, they have nine spells. Let's say in that perfect world with Cinder Vines, they have 19, which is, even though it looks like they play the game forever, they are probably casting like 10 spells if they are on a pretty good roll. Like, yeah, they can go longer, but now that they're not the Lotus version, which could like cast Hidden Strings and Tome Scour over and over, they can actually just go like Hidden Strings, Hidden Strings, Pour, Hidden strings, wish for omniscience, wish for Jace, wish for enter the infinite, win the game. Right, that's a, that's the sort of thing they can do. And in that case, they're not going to die to your cinder vines. So you either need to have good draw with multiple cinder vines, or back that cinder vines up with a hard aggro. Right, and you put them like to six, and then you play the cinder vines, and then you're like, yeah, you've got six spells, or you lose. Right, then it works. But if you're playing like Femur Reclamation, I mean, it, I think it punishes you too, so it wouldn't even be good. But if you play like a slow teamer deck, like four color Omnath, mm-hmm. Cinder Vines doesn't work that well because you're not putting the pressure on them. So you're still giving them way too much time. One thing worth noting looking at the, the various amounts of sideboards for uh, some league finishes and challenges, Wilt and Wilt type effects are noticeably absent. And a lot of these sideboards, like completely absent. So now if you happen to run into this deck a decent amount, Damping Sphere is, like we said, the best card ever against it, and they're not trying to kill it. We've seen it, right? Because the deck is currently 11th in popularity. Mm -hmm. So people don't really play around it, so they don't bring their Damping Sphere. So then they're like, well, then I'm not going to bring hate in against Damping Sphere because nobody's running the damn card. Exactly. And because of the banning of Lotus Breach, the deck isn't like... Underworld Breach. The whole deck was called Lotus Breach, but the banning of Underworld Breach... Yes. They're no longer like randomly killed by graveyard hate or randomly like halted by graveyard hate because we're still seeing that. Mm-hmm. But like this deck doesn't care about resting peace. It doesn't care about soul guide lands. Like you know, cards do literally nothing against the deck now. So now you have to very specifically target it with damping sphere. And if no one's doing that, why would they? But if your local meta is showing a lot of lotus field with people who don't bring in wilts because nobody's running damping sphere. You can like win your free F and M, which is nobody's. Pl- well, if you're in New Zealand, you're probably playing F and M. Yeah. In which case, hello from the other side of the world, where stuff is a lot better than it is over here. Sigh. Sigh. Uh. Yeah. Any closing comments about any of these top ten decks before we move on to the one spoiler? I want to bring in one quick card, which is not for one of these top ten decks. Spirits is a deck we've seen a lot in Pioneer's history. Mm and is somehow pretty absent now from like the top, it's occasionally showing up. Our last Pioneer Invitational was won by Spirits. Um, there's the obvious cards. 
But one card I really like against spirits out of a green deck, which sometimes tend to struggle against spirits, is Skypiercer, which is a really nice card against green, uh, against spirits, which I very quickly want to read out. Um, at least it's called Skypiercer. No, it has a different name. It's Skylasher. Sorry. Skylasher. One and a green for a 2-2 with flash. It can be countered. It has reach and it has protection from blue. If you're playing like a mono... I, I played in mono green elves because I got absolutely dunked by spirits. And it's uh, it's pretty good there. So if you're a mono green deck struggling against spirits, I did not want to leave you without recommending this card. Also Windstorm. But we have talked about that card in the past. Yes. And like... uh yeah, it's weird that Spirits isn't not as prevalent as it used to be. I'm not sure if there's anything to that. Um, I mean, it's been kind of on and off, and that's how Pioneer's been. Even Mono Black Aggro has actually kind of dipped down. It's been consistently in the top three decks played, and now it's, what, ninth currently? Eighth? People have new toys. Like, the I don't want to play with you anymore. And you just see, like, any, like, dropping Knight of the Ebon Legion and Wrangle. Yeah. Before we head out, let's do a quick Pioneer Perspective mailbag, which, again, we have jingles now for this in some way, shape, or form. So, editor, do some magic. You said you'd have a better one this week. I'm going to hold you up to that. And uh, if it's just as Mimi, I don't care. Do whatever you want. This is Pioneer Perspective Mailbag. Yeah, so for the sake of time, I'm going to assume we're going to do like two questions. Yeah. Yeah, we're not flooded to the point where we need to be able to like keep up, but we've had some questions coming in. So we'll see if in the future, if we'll like dedicate like a bit of a larger chunk to it. But I think we're good for now. Yes. Um, first question is from Circio, the stage lighter. We all know Pioneer Masters is coming to Arena and was pushed back because they wanted to fine-tune the limited environment. At least that's what they said. That being said, I have a few questions. Total of three, technically. We'll see if we can condense all these down. Number one, what cards do you think should be printed into Pioneer Masters, but probably won't be due to the stress on the draft environment? Two, how long do you think it would take Watsi to add all of Pioneer to Arena after the first Master set was released? And three, when Pioneer Masters does come to Arena, do you think Watsi will immediately add a competitive ladder for it, or will it be stuck in a play queue just like Historic was in the beginning? All right. I'll quick fire these. Yes. First question What should be in Pioneer Masters but won't be due to the stress on the draft environment? I'm going to be very quick and honest here. I don't play draft, I just I don't care. Just give me the cards, put it at Mythic. It doesn't matter, wild cards are irrelevant anyway. Like, I I did try and think about this, like what was like a real bomb, but I'm having a, I think there was like probably like some cards from Khans, but we already have Ugin. I remember that being ridiculous in Fate Reforged, but I don't know. There's like, there's been enough balmy cards over the years for Limited, right? Yeah, like, is there any, like, of those uh, 
like rares that should be mythic type things like i don't feel like there is like unlimited kind of just should have bombs right yeah like they're not going to say no kalidus for example i get your limited environment is not even though i don't like limited isn't fun if every rare is a bomb then it just becomes boring because your your limited games become like nuclear warfare but that's more like generally speaking Probably not everywhere should be a bomb. I can't think of a specific card, but that's also just because I don't play a lot of limit. Well, I don't play any limited really. Um, but I said I was going to quick fire. Uh, how long do you think for Watsi to add all of Pioneer to Arena? <sighs> I want it to be a year, but I think it's going to be two or three. I'm thinking like 2022. Sadly, is when we're going to have Pioneer, and that's almost being optimistic. Because Pioneer Masters, it's going to be the first one. It's going to be sometime 2021. I can imagine they have all of 2021. Uh, at the end of 2021, we have all of Pioneer on it, which is a shame. And I think in part it has to do with, this has been talked about recently in length, the terrible economy on Magic Arena doesn't work for implementing a format like Pioneer in one go. But we can go about that for hours in the future if people want to. When Pioneer Masters comes to Arena, do you think we'll immediately have a competitive ladder? Yes. At that point, people will have been waiting for literal years. So I'm sure we will immediately get a competitive ladder because they know what to do with Pioneer, right? It's just an official competitive format. So once it is available, it will have a competitive ladder. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. I mean, I'm looking real quick at uh, the top 50 cards played in Pioneer currently. And I count eight total cards. Yeah, eight total cards, it looks like, in the top 50 that are not already on Arena. And, like, none of these are bombs. You have uh, Pithing Needle, Notion Thief, uh, Supreme Verdict, which, I mean, I guess, whatever, Wild Slash, Monastery Swift Sphere, and then you have, uh, where was it? Oh, yeah, an Elvish Elvish Mystic. (laughs) I was going to one. Like, I'm not sure what you keep out of the draft environment that's not already here. Um, and again... Yeah, the first cards that came to mind for me were like Scarab Gone. I was like, that's in... Yeah, I thought of Kalidus, but that's a Mythic, and you want a bomby Mythic. Yeah, and like Glorybringer, that's in now. I can't think of anything that would be restrictive to the, the limited environment. I think the limited environment is going to have a lot of emphasis on the actual uncommon and commons that we get, which is where our issues come in with that because we just want all of them. Um, how long do you think it's going to take? If they put all the gods in Amonkhet Remastered, I can imagine the Scorpion God being an, being an awful card to play against the limited. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to put that in because it doesn't see any Pioneer play at all. Yeah, fair. Like literally zero. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take uh, until after? Yeah, I would say about a year or two after our first one. Optimistically, I'd say a year, but realistically, probably two years. When Pioneer Masters come to Arena, do you think it's going to add a competitive ladder? Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Alex. Waiting too long. I will play a Pioneer Light on the competitive ladder over not playing it at all on Arena. So yeah, I would definitely do that. And I was going to ask another question, uh, but I'm going to skip this one because it's asking about limited sets. And then that's basically you not answering your question. Um, shout out to Zeth for even bringing it up, asking what our top three limited sets are. I'll just be quick. Um, Amonkhet. Amonkhet remastered even, because I like how they did the the mashup between it, which is a weird little cop-out uh, answer. 
Um, and then original Innistrad are my, my three. And I guess we'll do one more. Do you have one in mind, Alex? Uh, Want to play the format? Quickly touch on that. We can do that. Okay, so... Rising yourself with as many decks as possible is a really big thing. Um, even if it doesn't... It doesn't mean you have to play all the decks. And of course, I'm not saying buy all the decks. That's that's ridiculous. Um, but let's say you play a deck and you've had this pet deck for a while and you struggle a lot with a, another certain deck. Like, let's say you struggle against like Mono Black Aggro or Wilderness Reclamation. Putting yourself in a position where you can actually watch content creators pilot these decks or give yourself the opportunity to pilot the deck maybe through something like uh, Coctris or uh, Untap if you want to go like the free route, or hop on the MTG at home Discord server and you can proxy it at 100%. And you have a free deck, essentially, that you just, you know, the only thing you're paying for is printer ink. So giving yourself the opportunity to play and pilot these decks that you struggle against will actually allow you to see them in a different light when you are the opponent. And that's a very, very big thing to kind of work on. I'm sure I can think of another couple uh, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think, and I think I read this question a little differently than you did. I'm thinking of soft skills, sort of just like general like skills in life. And oh. the main thing that I'm thinking of with a soft skill is if you've been in like university or something in the past like 10 years you've seen the development of that you have to write some sort of reflection piece on literally everything you do uh i know i have to like if i fart at an inappropriate time i probably have to write a report on it in my internship it's awful (laughs) but it is probably a good soft skill to have i think a soft skill is to be like to analyze a situation objectively and have a good think about what did i do wrong or well what decision did I make? Why did I make that decision? And then realize, so what led to this thought process and what mistake did I make in said thought process? I think that is a really good ability to develop, to just reflect on things. And I think one that goes paired with that is that you need to make sure that you don't like I think it's mainly just you you need to learn to accept that you're going to make mistakes, which I think is a very important skill to have when you play Magic. Mm. And everyone's done this. Everyone's tilted because they did something stupid. I um, I remember losing... Um, was it? I I ended up making it in for some stupid reason because someone got disqualified. But I lost top 16 in a tournament because I tapped my mana incorrectly. Like I tapped I I tapped out for a four mana Chandra, but I ended up tapping two Spire Bluff Canal and then I didn't have two blue mana for a counter spell. Like I literally stepped a Spire Bluff Canal instead of a mountain. And then I passed to my opponent and I had a mountain up so I didn't have the blue. Yeah. And I was pissed at that. I was so mad at myself but that doesn't change anything. So initially I was mad at myself, but I quote-unquote for, forgave myself, and then I realized, like, hey, what am I going to do? Okay, so what did I do wrong? So I kept this up. Okay, was I was I nervous? I mean, yes, because this was like the first big event I went to uh, ever playing Magic. I, I think I played Magic for like half a year at that point. 
And that's like, all right, so what did I do wrong? Right, I tapped my lands incorrectly. What can I do to do that better in the future? Well, be very mindful of it. And what am I going to do to prevent that in the future? And now I like really like focus on, hey, what colors do I need? And really put a lot of thought into it. I've now been playing a three-color deck for three years. So at this point, I've gotten very good at it. And uh, I need to rethink my mana base and taking these steps. And now I don't really make that mistake anymore. But if I was just mad and I just like found like a different reason, it's like, oh, because my opponent got lucky, blah, 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 and I don't consider what mistake I made, and I don't go through like the motions of what led to me making that mistake, I would still be making that mistake. And you lose simple games to it. Yeah. So this goes back to like one of my biggest... This is a little bit separate from Magic, but to take what you're saying a, a step further, you can relate these things to just real life, right? So like patience is one is a is a thing that people need to be able to better themselves and learn more. Um, and I think what you're saying, what I kind of take that as, is the understanding that perfection is unattainable. So what I've always done with my life is I have a different definition of perfection and like the way i've always looked at it is like to be perfect is to not be without flaws but to be more accepting or have acceptance of everything that a person is so that means to acknowledge that the flaws that we all have and having the understanding uh that true perfection is impossible so like if if i'm dating someone for example and i view them as being perfect in my eyes that means that everything that they are flaws and all are absolutely wonderful and beautiful for them. The flaws are what makes them beautiful. So it means that they're human. And what is amazing about being a human is that we are able to strive and better ourselves and be better. And the same thing even goes for self-love and looking at yourself. And I know that sounds really out of place for magic, but if you don't be so hard on yourself, which is the opposite of what Alex did, Rather, he took the the appropriate you know response and said, "Okay, what did I do wrong?" You can take that a step too far instead of just being like, "Oh, my opponent got lucky," and just completely blowing off anything you did. You could take it a step too far in the other direction and be way too harsh on yourself and overanalyze the mistake you did, and that could set you back in the opposite direction for being or growing as a magic player. So I think that's a very big thing to like to understand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you're just to yourself like, oh, I suck at the game and I'm awful, blah, 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 and you throw your and you go to your next tournament thinking about your previous tournament and messing up. Yeah. And a lot of people take this to the next game. I think a really important one is if you make a mistake in a game, and the more you do this, like the better at it you get. So first, when you first like I really had to de- deal with the fact that if I made a mistake in game one, it would still be affecting me in game three. And it might even affect me in the match after, or even a match after that. It might affect me for the whole tournament if I make a horrible mistake in round one. And the better you get at it, the sort of further back this dials. So the better you get at this, it's not like, okay, now I made a mistake and it affects me in the match after. That's bad. But if you know how to reflect and also like, you know, quote unquote, like forgive yourself, really, then... Next time you make a mistake in game one, it only affects you only in game three of that same match. You no longer take to the next match. You get better at it, it only affects you in game two. And I've mostly, I mean, you know, you've st- I've still got my moments sometimes, I'll be honest. 
but made it to the point where if I'm making a mistake in game one, it might affect me the next turn, but it doesn't affect me in game two anymore. Because game one's over, and your mistake doesn't matter anymore. So now you're going to have to focus on, okay, I've made that mistake, where am I now? And if you become particularly good at it, you can even, like, you know, everyone kind of does, right? You have to realize, I made a mistake, but this is the situation I am in now, so how do I solve the situation I am in now? That just makes you a better Magic player. Yeah. Now, I just want to say thank you to everyone for submitting their questions for this week. Remember, you can ask your own questions for the Pioneer Perspective by joining the MTG at Home Discord server and going into the channel that says Pioneer Perspective Mailbag. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no Patreon or or stuff like that, which actually, side note, we are working on making a Patreon uh, to hopefully garner some support for things like better equipment. Obviously, we have an editor now that we've hired, and I do like to pay them. I'm not big into just taking volunteer work. I like to pay people for their time, and that's no different. Uh, So that's what it would be primarily used for. Uh, We will let you know officially when that has launched. Uh, I haven't made, but I haven't actually open the floodgates yet essentially still working on it but again if you want to join and you know join the mtg at home discord server not only can you play paper magic with us but you can ask your questions and we'll read them off here reminders out the door alex if they want to understand who you are as a person and judge you for everything that you say or do on the internet besides on this podcast where can they find you uh i can be found with at disciple of bolas on twitter with one official tweet, finally, from his account, which we did live last week. Pioneer Good, six days ago. Amazing. <laughs> and of course, you can find me on literally any social media at Bradsifer, B-R-E-D-C-I-F-E-R. Snapchat, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, on the server, uh, Xbox Live even. Um, that's where I am. So if you want to tweet at me, you can, and we can ask questions. And other than that, do we have anything else to just let people know what's going on? No, not that I know. All right. Well, we thank you so much for joining us and letting us invade your in, uh, your own lives, whether you're listening to us at work, uh, on a walk, uh, four days after the fact that it's released, or you're listening to it the second I post it on Reddit and uh, the Discord server and things like that. No matter what, if you're listening to us in general and you've gotten to this point, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And you mean the world to us. Without you, we wouldn't really be able to do this. Um, but to be fair, we still would because we essentially would talk magic for three or four hours at a time without a mic recording us. So we'll have, we have some more bonus episodes on their way. Uh, like I said, we have a special one with my friend Adrian, as well as Matt returning that we should be releasing at some point, um, we'll figure out when we get it released. Again, it's a bonus episode. It's a little extra. And we have some other ones in mind to do that we're excited for. Um, and we cannot wait to share with you. But until then, we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.